1: Yes, yes, welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the homelonexpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside the great gangster Pete and uh, Kenny Iggy Strode, producers of this uh, presentation. Welcome to uh, to one I think a lot of you uh, have been wanting, and today you get. If you have not read Seth Wickersham and uh, Don Vanata's piece, in, uh, on ESPN.com. My recommendation before you listen to this interview is to read it. And I think you'll enjoy reading it. It is titled inside the Rams chargers marriage as the NFL fights for Los Angeles. It is so detailed. I, as a matter of fact, I don't know how he has some of the, it's like when I read Tiger Woods book and I had an Armin Katayan on, which I would recommend that one as well. Um, I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm talking about the book. And I'm just like, how does Katayan and his uh, his co author have access to some of these stories? And I read this, and I'm like, how how did they get this? But it's just so it's not it's not like somebody and I and I'm not popping off against anybody else. I'm truly not thinking of anyone. It is well sourced, as I said to Seth toward the end of this interview. It was like a 60 Minutes piece come to life, but on ESPN.com. It is it's very well done, and um, a lot of it is stuff that I have. Um, I have been aware of from my own travels during that time period when I went out to California, uh, to Oakland, to San Diego, to Inglewood, to Carson, um, from my conversations with people leading up to and after the vote and, um, and, 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 and what's going on right now in Los Angeles with the Chargers and the Rams, with Dean Spanos and Stan Kroenke, it is something else. They have a real situation on their hands, and I still don't think that the country is aware of what could be this legal ticking time bomb that is tick-tocking away in St. Louis with this lawsuit between the region here and uh, Stan Kroenke and the NFL. This is a hell of a situation. And uh, Seth Wickersham, uh, my guest, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, delved into it in a story that uh, once you start reading it, I imagine you won't be stopping. You'll be, uh, if you haven't read it, you will be um, just blown away by some of the details on it. It is, it's something else. It's a mess out there. I know that uh, from a schadenfreude perspective will make people very happy here, but they have a real issue there. Um, and that's just talking about the stadium's cost overruns. That's talking about a lack of interest, relatively speaking, um, for both teams, certainly extreme for the Chargers. And um, they have quite a situation going on between Spanos and Crockey with the Chargers slashing prices on what are now called SSLs back in the day, PSLs here and um, the cost overruns. I mean, that thing was originally presented as a $1.8 billion project, and it is now over $5 billion. The Chargers in the league, or just as Seth told me, the league projected that the Chargers would sell 400 million in SSLs, all of that money going to Kroenke, and now it's looking like maybe they'll sell 150 million. So Kroenke now has 2 to $3.6 million cost overrun, and now that's on the expense side. And now on the revenue side, that is decreasing on his side because he's losing, oh, 300-ish million dollars on what he was told by the league he was going to get from the Chargers. And the Chargers aren't obligated to make up the difference. That's the deal Spanos signed, which as you hear as we talk, Seth and I, that, that you know, the chances of the Chargers moving here are reduced drastically because Spanos has a really good deal. Crocky is the one who's going to have to take on these costs. So, it's a hell of a situation. And that's not even getting into the fact that the league and all of the owners have to turn over eight years of email and phone records for the discovery process on this lawsuit from St. Louis that they thought they were just going to be able to swat away that they just keep losing every appeal. And I think they're just absolutely confused as to what's going on. Like, Oh my God, we thought this thing that maybe Stan would have to cut a check for and it eventually go away. We might actually have to participate in the discovery process. There's a chance Stan Kroenke could be deposed. I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. Initially, I was hopeful it was going to happen. And then you saw him just kept settling all the other lawsuits. And I'm like, okay, that's eventually what's going to happen. I had other people associated with things going, yeah, I think he's probably going to settle. Well, they just keep winning. They keep winning these appeals. The Rams keep losing. And it's at a point where you might see Stan Kroenke get the pose. Now, I'm not saying it's better than 50%. I'm just saying it keeps progressing. And so Seth's detail on why this is such an issue, um, Seth and Don, um, in this story, is incredible. It really, it's it's a it's a tip of the cap to uh, journalism. And as we start out, as it turns out, Seth and I were both at the University of Missouri at the same same time. I was in the broadcast sequence. He was in the print sequence. They weren't really close to each other, um, but we were there at the same time. And this is um, this is a hell of a piece, and it reflects really well on the University of Missouri Journalism School. But you know, I, I, th- this story is one that. And and it's something we talked about right at the end As Seth said it's gaining traction with people outside of St. Louis. It was really well read, well received um, because it's the kind of story that people go, this is starting to read like a movie. And maybe someday it will. I've always talked about a 30 for 30. Maybe it's going to be more than that. This is a hell of a situation. St. Louis is asking for all of the NFL's relocation fees. How much is that? Oh, that's a billion dollars. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win it, but the Rams keep trying to get it dismissed, and they keep losing. They even went to the United States Supreme Court with it, and the Supreme Court said, we're not hearing this. So, this is one hell of a situation to monitor both in St. Louis and both in Los Angeles with Kroenke and Spano. So, it is my pleasure to bring to you, via the phone lines, my guest this week, Seth Wickersham of ESPN.com. Seth, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. So am am I correct in this? Were we at the University of Missouri Journalism School at the same time?
0: Oh, my gosh. When were you there?
1: I was there. I should have graduated in 98. I have I think I have eight credit hours left. I don't know if I'm ever going to get them at this point. And I was in the broadcast sequence. Weren't you there around that same time?
0: I was. So I got there in 97 and I graduated in 2000 and, um, you know, I was obviously in the print sequence. So, you know, that might've been, that might as well have been St. Louis and Kansas city between where, (laughs) where you were doing the most, most of your work and where I was doing mine. But, um, yeah, man, it was an awesome time. I, you know, I grew up in Alaska and, you know, when I left to go to college at Mizzou, I I really, I was like, look, if I'm going to go halfway across the country and go somewhere, I really want to get the most that I can out of college. And I really just loved my years there. And it was cool, you know, from a sports perspective. I mean, you know, the football team turned it around. The basketball team was was really good when we were there. Yeah, It was a fun time. So
1: did you leave Alaska going, okay, no, I want to get into journalism. So were you looking at like Syracuse, Northwestern, Missouri, the proverbial, at least at that time, those were the ones that everybody would talk about.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I – to be well y- yes and no so like you know when i left and was looking at journalism schools i was like you know is there a difference between the university of colorado journalism school and university of washington journalism school right i mean that those were the schools that were kind of on my radar you know mountain time zone and west from there and a friend actually you might have actually known this guy but there was a, um, one of my buddies had a cousin who went to Mizzou, and the cousin's name was Steve Hurlbert. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah, Steve he worked at Broadway.
1: KOMU. He was a couple years yeah. older than me, but yeah, absolutely.
0: And his brother was actually the the prosecutor who prosecuted Kobe Bryant. Oh, my in God. In Colorado. I don't know if you've never knew that. I, anyway, you know what, for whatever reason, um, when you
1: say that, then it makes it, it feels like I, maybe like Gabe Darmond or somebody told me that when that was going on.
0: Okay. Yeah, and so when I, so, so it was Steve's cousin who told me about Mizzou and that's what really enlightened me to the entire program. I mean, cause you know, I, I was young. I wasn't, you know, studying this, you know, the, studying journalism schools as much as I should have. And, um, you know, it was really him that, that introduced me to it. And I thought about doing broadcasts for a while and I realized that I had a face and a voice for print. And, you know, <laughs> well, and it's, it's not that
1: like way, I'm but, real hot. I'll be honest with you.
0: Fortunately, it's worked
1: out but yeah <laughs> yeah well I I have to say I knew that you, I knew that you were Mizouga I didn't think we had ever met uh, but like Derek Gould'll go no I remember meeting you you did this and then and I go God okay what an ass I must have been because I I, I don't recall it right. now Derek's on the on the show regularly and he he's worked with me and he's you know does an incredible job as the Cardinal beat writer and when I read your story sure. Uh, And everybody, as you can imagine, I saw Gabe talking about how much it had been retweeted in his timeline. And I'm like, that's a Mizzou guy. And it kind of doesn't surprise me because it was done with such attention to detail. It's outstanding. So we not only have uh, the, the University of Missouri Journalism School and that time period in common, but we both have been following this situation which is a euphemism really at this point in southern california very closely during 2015 when it became pretty evident to me that the rams were going to move i went out to oakland i went out to san diego met with the mayor there did an interview with him and then also inglewood and met with the mayor of carson and visited that site and i would talk with kevin demoff regularly Um, throughout the whole process. And I have been so enamored with this story because I feel like there's so much there that some in St. Louis are aware of, um, but most around the country are not aware of. And I feel like that this is a potential ESPN 30 for 30 that could be talked about forever if it winds up Going the direction that at this moment, it looks like it may, which is Stan Kroenke, Kevin Demoff, Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell actually having to participate in depositions.
0: Well, thank you very much for that comment. Yeah, so in 2015, Don Van Natta and I, my frequent co-author, wrote a big story that came out after the Rams had won the relocation vote that was a sort of inside look inside the boardroom and the jockeying and the politicking look at at how bloody and toxic and brutal that relocation process was. And really, you know, the, the, the theme that came out of that was that Jerry Jones had um, ushered the vote for Stan Kroenke and won. And it was Jerry Jones's last minute proposal that ended up getting the Rams over the finish line. And you probably remember so uh, you know the the it was actually the ending of our story uh, was that press conference after the Rams had won the vote and how um, unhappy Spanos looked at hotel. that press conference. I mean, Dean Spanos didn't even stand near everybody else on stage. <laughs> it was Mark Davis, it was Stan Kroenke, it was Roger Goodell, and it was Dean Spanos. And Spanos tw- stood to the side, and you know he was kind of like shaking his head up in the air. And he was he was exhaling very loudly, like a like a kicker who had lost you know the game on like by missing a field goal and he looked so frustrated. And so even though the, the Chargers had this option to join the Rams in LA, I don't think anybody thought the Ram- the, the Chargers were actually going to exercise it. And then a year later when they did my sort of repertorial antenna went up and I was like this is a story that I've got to have to follow because you know the fact is, after 22 years away, the NFL is is sending two teams to L.A., none of which have a huge reservoir of support, and at the middle of it is this stadium that they believe is going to transcend everything. So that was kind of the, the point of my story that I did with Don that came out a couple weeks ago was, you know, how is this working? How is this going so far? And, you know, we just tried to report as hard as we could and bring as much detail to life as we possibly Oh, could. It's
1: so, the, the detail is so good. And I'm really not, I mean, at this point, I feel like almost anybody who would be listening to us talk has, 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 has read it. But if you haven't, it's on ESPN.com. It, and it's just from a reporting standpoint, it's so well done. It's so well sourced. Uh, this isn't like somebody, you know, in no disrespect to blogs or anything like that, but it isn't like a blog with somebody popping off. It's, It's outstanding. And and the thing that really intrigued me as I read it is it matched up with so much of what I knew or I learned as I researched it while this was going on in 2015 and then 2016. And now, Seth, what you and Don have done, you've brought this to people beyond St. Louis and to an extent San Diego and Oakland who are aware of some of the things And now the rest of the country who have read this are going, Okay, what's going on here? This is this starting to become a much bigger problem than the NFL ever anticipated. And I think the answer to that and and, and I would imagine based on your research and your story, the answer is a resounding yes.
0: Well, that's certainly true when it comes to the Chargers. You know, nobody wanted the Chargers to go. And we have that scene inside the league meetings in December of 2017. So this was about a month before Spanos announced that the team was going to go. He stood in front of the owners, and he looked like a broken man. And that's rare. I mean, that is a room of alphas, and nobody likes to ever look like they lost something in that room. Mm -hmm. He stands in front of the room, and he says, look, I don't want to go to L.A. I want to stay. And he felt like that he couldn't get a stadium done in San Diego. There are other people who think that with some creative solutions, it could have happened and they could have stayed there. Either way, he was over it and he wanted to go to LA. People looked at it at the time like, you know, Dean Spanos lost and Stan Kroenke won. But over the next couple of years, there's been some nuance to that that has changed. You know, I think the perceptions. And one of them is that with when it comes to the Rams, you know, they have made some inroads at inroads in LA, but it's been harder than anybody thought. The stadium is woefully over budget and this enti- you know, there's a, there's the the lawsuit in St. Louis that um has engulfed the entire league and that Stan Kroenke agreed to Indemnified the league and the rest of the teams as a condition of relocating.
1: Right. So, just to be clear on that, because all these things are things yeah. that you and I now and it was, kind of know as a second language, but just to focus on this, and you did mention it, of course, in the story, that Crocky, Spanos, and Davis, if I'm not mistaken, all signed this in Houston the morning of the vote to indemnify the league, correct?
0: Yeah, I think it might have been the night before. I okay. can't remember, all right. I remember. But it was, yeah, it was actually in our 2016 story that the league sort of threw these indemnification proposals at them as a condition to have their proposals voted on and so they were essentially they essentially had no choice they had to sign and you know essentially the region of st louis has said that the rams did not follow the nfl's own relocation guidelines in their move and they're seeking all kind of you know billion dollars in restitution for this and you know look when teams relocate almost always there's a There's some sort of a lawsuit, right? And these things always kind of go away, and this one hasn't gone away. And the Rams petitioned to the Supreme Court to actually have a stay enforced. The Supreme Court declined to um, even take up the case. So the region has done very, very well in their lawsuit against the Rams in St. Louis. And again, you know, which is stunning the
1: Rams in the NFL, correct?
0: Yeah, and I mean, this entire thing is costing Stan Kroenke more than, than anybody realized. Now, for the Chargers, look, they're in trouble. I mean, they don't have a ton of fans, and they have, you know, struggled in, in basic ways to make inroads in that market. I mean, they are really in a bad position um, in L.A., and especially relative to NFL teams. But people assume that like Dean Spanos, you know, might have to sell the team or they might relocate to a different city. But he actually cut a better deal as Stan Kroenke's tenant than anyone kind of realized or gave him credit for. As long as he doesn't mind not owning his stadium. And he doesn't seem to because he's not one of those owners who can write a check and build a $2 billion stadium in San Diego like, like some owners can mm-hmm. He's actually done pretty well financially. The league wanted him to be taken care of when he decided to move to L.A. And so Kroenke ended up having to give him, you know, millions and millions of dollars in shared revenue that – Kronky was kind of counting on for himself in LA. I thought, and, and
1: there, there's so many details. And
0: so, and so anyway, let me finish. Like so anyway, yeah. It's like people thought that Spanos had clearly lost this, and maybe he will. Maybe he did, and maybe history will prove that he did, that he has. But he actually cut a better financial deal than people realize, and all he has to do is you know, keep piggybacking off of what the Rams are doing and these huge checks that Stan Kroenke is writing.
1: That's exactly what I was about to say. I I think that there's so many titillating details in this story. Uh, And I know, like I said, I would have to imagine those who are uh, listening to this at this point, 90% of the people have read it. But I want to revisit two paragraphs because this is what stood out to me. And I also want to harken back to something that took place in 1995 that I feel like this is analogous to. Spanos was keenly aware of the imbalance, but he also knew the league, a trade association at heart, would ensure him a share of stadium cash flow enjoyed by other teams. The Chargers ended up with a sizable 15% share of all revenue streams. That's huge, including joint luxury suite sales, sponsorships, and SoFi Stadium naming rights, which is estimated at more than $600 million over 20 years. Second paragraph, Spanos also won, which to me is this is the biggest thing, a major concession on the most divisive issue, stadium seat licenses, the tens of thousands of dollars NFL teams often charge for the right to buy season tickets all the revenue from both teams' sale of SSLs would go to Kroenke to help defray the cost of the stadium. But per the term sheet, the Chargers neither had to meet a revenue target nor even sell a single SSL. All the Chargers had to do was try to sell the SSLs at whatever cost they determined until one year after the stadium opened, after which they wouldn't even have to try to sell any. And I feel like that is one of the things that has sent Stan Kroenke into another world of anger, and I take it back to 1995 when the Rams moved here, and there was a clause that really opened the door for Kroenke to move, and we were aware of it in St. Louis in the early 2000s, which was that the dome, which we all knew was a hellhole relative to other NFL stadiums, especially the new stadiums that came along in the early 2000s, had to remain in the top tier, i.e., the top 25 percent of NFL stadiums, or the Rams could move. And the fact that St. Louis agreed to that when it's reported that John Shaw was just kind of asking it for the hell of it, and then they didn't take it out, was really the escape hatch for Stan Kroenke. And he knew that when he exercised his right of first refusal over Shad Khan. And so when I see that information that you and Don Vanetta reported, uh, Seth, I read that and I go, God, Dean Spanos is playing with house money here. That, that is huge that he doesn't need that SSL money. And meanwhile, Kroenke has to foot the bill one way or the other. That is huge. I can't believe Kroenke agreed to it, but I guess he did whatever he had to do in order to get
0: to L.A. It was a huge thing. And, you know, again, the PSL, it was not only a big thing because the Rams were counting on the PSL money to help defray the cost of the stadium, which at that point, you know, we're talking, you know, uh, when they were started to sell those SSLS, that's 2018. The cost of the stadium had already ballooned to five billion dollars. That was up from 1.8 billion in <laughs> 2015, and then it had gone to 2.7 or 2.4 billion in 2015. And so the stadium cost had gone up. The Rams were facing a harder time selling SSLs in L.A. than anybody realized. And the Chargers, you know, by the way, the
1: if I'm not mistaken, it had projected that they would
0: generate $400 million. That was a league projection. League projection. And that was a league projection. The Chargers – now, the Chargers say, well, that was completely unrealistic. Other people aren't so sure about that. Like, they think that, you know, the Chargers were – aware that that could be a realistic projection. And so then the, the Chargers, you know, so the Rams are having a hard time selling seat licenses. The Chargers start their program to sell seat licenses and it could not have gone worse. And so um, in October of 2018, the Chargers review a study from legends, which is Jerry Jones's concession and sales company. Remember Jerry Jones is in the middle of all. Oh yes. And it was the worst feasibility study that some of the people at Legends had ever seen. It basically showed there was no market at all for charger seat licenses. So they essentially announce a fire sale on seat licenses and don't tell Stan Kroenke that they're going to do that. They don't tell the Rams until a day before um, they announce it to the public. And the Rams were furious because – Dean Spanos was getting all of these financial concessions and had pledged to be a good partner to Kroenke and St. Louis and to help make the stadium successful. And here he was undermining him in one of the most costly ways he could. And that was it is it's still an issue between the teams today.
1: Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Seth here on the Tim McKernan show. You know, this show does not exist without our sponsors. And I realize people listen to podcasts and they're like, okay, you got sponsors. I want to hear it. But, you know, this is a, it's a local podcast for the most part. And uh, and these sponsors make it possible. And uh, Ryan Kelly is our studio sponsor. It's where I'm sitting right now, thehomeloanexpert.com. So if you're buying a home, if you're refinancing a home, capitalize on the fact. From a refinance standpoint, your home has never been worth more. It's incredible to see this happen. We'll capitalize on that, and you can refinance right now with Ryan Kelly. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com. If you're buying a home, go to thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, who has been the title sponsor of our radio show for close to a decade now, the studio sponsor of this podcast from the very beginning, he's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And if you're enjoying the conversation with Seth Wickersham, know that all of our guests are presented to you by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. Reaching the end of the year, people need to get organized. I think that's one of the biggest steps in psychologically feeling like you have put yourself on the right path. Well, go to evergreenstl.com. Set up an appointment with Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies and you will feel much better about things. I'm telling you it's 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 a world of difference just by making the phone call and you know going, "All right, got myself on the right track i haven't even done anything yet outside of made a phone call but now i know i'm taking the step to get it right and mark is the guy to do that with i feel very strongly about it because i know that if i would have been monitoring my finances properly back in my 20s i would have been in a much better situation that's why from our audience's perspective i really get fired up about it and i want to see you do something that i may failed to do you know 15 years ago and that is have somebody who is taking care of you getting you organized and making sure that you were doing things right to take care of not only your future but your present. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And my insurance agent is James Carlton of the State Farm Insurance Agency. He was not my insurance agent when he started advertising and he didn't say, "Hey, I'll advertise with you if you start using me as your insurance agent." I just got to know him. I had to use him on a spur of the moment situation and I'm like, "Wow, that was really easy." James was he was like overly attentive. His staff was like overly attentive. That's what I want. This is important stuff. And that was before I had a situation where my basement flooded and all hell broke loose. 314-961-4800 to go online at carltoninsurance.net. Once that did happen, James was was James was so attentive, he offered to come over and help clean it up. And I, I mean, I, I said, James, my God, not necessary. Appreciate it. But... That's the kind of customer service you're going to get. You call during business hours. A real person's going to pick up the phone. You're not going to be like, yeah, leave a message or it's automated or you press one for this or that. You're going to get a response. These are important things. Home, auto, life insurance. Make sure you have somebody who has your best interests at heart. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Now, because of our sponsors, Back to our conversation with Seth Wickersham. And so you also report on, and this is some of the stuff that, that you know, it's, it's it's titillating. I don't know how material it is to what's going on with all of the situations with the, with the team's existence in L.A. and the lawsuit in St. Louis. But that there is legitimate tension between Chargers and Rams people, and it's not just between Spanos and Kroenke.
0: I mean, I think Spanos and Kroenke are cordial. You know, they're just different human beings. I mean, Dean Spanos spent his life in the NFL. He's a very risk-averse businessman, you know, inherited the team from his father. You know, Stan Kroenke, you know, real estate developer who sort of, you know, in in the last, you know, 30 years of his life has just, you know, accumulated sports teams. And, you know, he's a very aggressive businessman. And So, you know, that's what they just come to this from different perspectives. They're just different businessmen. And, you know, they're both, but what they have in common is they're both sort of non-confrontational. And so, um, you know, they, their relationship is okay. They're fine. They're cordial. It's their staffs that really have it out and, you know, have these fights that, you know, have escalated to the league office and that Roger Goodell's had to mediate.
1: And so you have a situation here where you have one franchise playing in a soccer stadium in which they're essentially playing 16 visiting games, uh, as some of their players have made reference to, because they've got eight on the road and then eight and feels like it's on the road when they're playing in Carson. And then you have the Rams and oftentimes their fans are heavily outnumbered at the Coliseum. And you have this market that that is not necessarily full of, like St. Louis fans, which grew up in St. Louis and therefore live and die for St. Louis teams, you have a transient population with a lovely ocean and plenty of things to do. And it's not like either team has really captured the imagination of the marketplace. What is your assessment of the current state of the Chargers and the Rams in
0: LA? You know, look, it's the Chargers are trying to survive. The Rams have done a decent job of making inroads there but people kind of are like you know it should be better given that you know they're the defending nfc champions they were you know the super bowl was tied with you know about eight minutes left you know the rams just you know they haven't been able to capitalize on their success at a level that i think a lot of people around the league expect but look i mean the the you know, people in the NFL, the L.A. is just a weird NFL market. I mean, they love watching the games on TV. Going to the games is a whole different thing. And, you know, the big bet that the Rams and the Chargers and the league are making is that people are going to show up at this $5 billion plus stadium in Inglewood. And that, to me, is a, will be a fascinating experiment as it plays out over time because, you know, they are sinking a huge amount of money into a stadium project at a time when, you know, consumer habits are changing when the secondary ticket market makes it so that, you know, an overwhelming number of visiting fans can come and invade a stadium at any time. And, you know, this is not a cheap stadium, as I've said, I mean, this thing is $5 billion plus. I mean, that is by far and away the most expensive NFL stadium that's ever been built. And, you know, will it draw people there? And that to me is the, you know, it's, you know, Don and I did the story in in 2016 about inside the relocation. We did this one now that's sort of like how it's going so far. And, you know, there might be another one to do in a year, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we see whether fans are showing up at the stadium because the entire Like I said, everyone's making a huge bet that this transformative venue will make people want to come out and watch these teams that they've, the city and the region has so far greeted with, you know, a lot of indifference and especially in the Chargers case, a lot of empty seats.
1: So you have that element to it where you guys could be writing a story again in a year. But I feel like something that, that candidly, you know, there were all these lawsuits in St. Louis. They've all been settled, but one, they were all settled with Kroenke cutting a check. And this one, you know, I I, I spoke with a source, and the source said, I think the NFL and Stan Kroenke are getting concerned that these ankle biters in St. Louis, as in these little, you know, yapping dogs in St. Louis, are going up against the biggest powerhouse in sports with this monster law firm, and they keep winning. And it's now at a point— where the owners, including Crocky, but even those who weren't really involved in this, have to turn over their phone records as the discovery yeah. process is underway. This is a
0: huge deal. Where in your it mind does this thing deal. stand? Well, like I said, the region is doing well. I mean the Rams have tried to send this to arbitration. It has been declined. And, you know, again they have to turn over eight years of email and phone records. And, you know, look, for most of these teams, it's not going to turn up much. But for the teams that were involved in the relocation and the owners who were intimately involved, Jerry Jones, you know, the Carolina Panthers when Jerry Richardson right. was involved. The
1: Texans with um, McNair, Raiders, he was part of that, right?
0: The Texans, you know, I mean, this could get ugly and it already has. I mean, there was an email that was turned up in Discovery that was from uh, – an official who was involved in the Carson project. So that was the chargers and the Rams right. and the Raiders who were competing with the Inglewood project that outlined all of the ways that they felt that the Rams were violating the NFL's relocation policy. It provided a roadmap and a blueprint for this lawsuit. And the lawsuit is not, you know, the, the region is not suing just the Rams they are suing the, the Rams, the league and every owner. And, Remember, every owner stood to make about $35 million just in relocation fees mm-hmm. that teams have to pay um, for the right to relocate. So you're and, talking about a you know, billion
1: dollars chopped up 30 ways, yeah. correct?
0: And, um, you know, th- th- both teams, you know, uh, you know, the region is going after that money. Yeah. In their opinion, is they're saying, it's like, look, if the Rams violated the relocation policy, Anything that, any money that is made from that, we should get as restitution. And that's gotten owners, you know, look, I don't know whether the is going to win or not. I don't have any idea. I'm not that sophisticated of a legal ex- expert, but it has gotten the attention of owners. And owners are also frustrated that, you know, there's no coordinated response to this. You know, it hasn't been raised at an owner's meeting. Owners and legal executives have spent more time debating you know whether the league should continue doing hard knocks than they have in this you know to this lawsuit and yeah it's gotten it has gotten um the attention of the nfl
1: stan crocky getting deposed is something that if you told st louis area sports fans you could have a cardinal world championship or stan crocky getting deposed and i think you might have a 50 50 answer on that as to what people would rather see uh, I honestly, really deep down, the more this started to play out, I'm like, okay, he's just cutting checks to settle. Never thought it would happen. At, at first, I would have loved to have seen it happen. Then I'm like, okay, it's never going to happen. He's going to just – but if the, if St. Louis is looking for this size, I'm not sure is just going to peel that off. The league isn't obligated to do so because, as you made reference to, he indemnified them. Um, do you get any sense in, in all of your conversations and in, in reporting on this, that this is something that they're starting to think might actually wind up happening, Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff being deposed?
0: That I don't know. You know, I, you know, like I said, I think that like the region would obviously like that to happen and they're not, you know, in a mood to settle. I think they feel like that the region was wronged, but I don't know beyond that.
1: So something, and I don't know, um, it, how much there is to this. You know, I, I speak with people, maybe some of the same people you guys have, have spoken with for your story, about this Chargers and St. Louis thing. And then you saw uh, Spanos go absolutely ballistic when he was asked about it when a report came out in The Athletic that they were considering moving to London and how he said, we are staying here. And he used some profanity and getting all fired up about it. Um, that they are committed to Los Angeles. He's not going anywhere. Taylor Twellman, a St. Louisan, um, MLS, uh, just kind of apropos of nothing, about, I don't know, uh, Seth, a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, tweeted, uh, the NFL basically offered the Chargers to St. Louis, and St. Louis said no. How much is there to that? Have you heard anything about the Chargers in St. Louis?
0: No, I mean, I, you know, look, I don't want to, you know, people often talk about, you know, they speculate on sourcing or on, you know, reports that I do. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, these, these are good reporters. I don't know who they talk to. And so I don't want to, you know, um, go into depth on their reports because they're the ones who reported it. And, and, you know, they should be the ones, you, you know, talking about it in the process of this. I just. I, I think that the Chargers, I don't know if the league wants to move the Chargers somewhere. So I don't know if they've talked to St. Louis about moving them there or London. I'm sure that there's been some speculative conversations. I don't know how serious they've gotten. I just don't think the Chargers are going to move. <laughs> I just don't. Because again, they have such a good Steve deal. Santos cut, a better, right. cut a better deal than people realize. And it, you know, look, there's, there's different types of NFL owners that are all rich people, but there's different, you you know levels of of, of them. Yes. And I mean, you know, Dean Spanos is, is one of the owners who, you know, their team is their, you, you know, main piece of their fortune. And he's in no rush to sell. I don't think he wants to, the team employs a lot of his family members. They're a West coast family. You know, they like living in that, in that environment, and Dean Spanos is 70 years old now. I don't think he's a, and he's a risk-averse businessman. Mm-hmm. People can say whatever they want about the wisdom of the Chargers moving to L.A., and clearly there's been, it, you know, it's been a mess. There's just no, there's no way around that when, you know, they can't even fill their 23,000-seat stadium with their own fans. But he cut a better financial deal than people realize, and I think that he is determined to roll the dice see if they can make inroads in the market once the stadium opens. And then, you know, that again, I know i said it before, but it's like that to me is the most fascinating aspect of this, is that, you know, they're all just placing their on this stadium, making fans do something that so far they have been reticent to do, which is show up and cheer hard for these two teams.
1: The One of my sources on this um, said at the, at the core of this with regard to the litigation – um the concern is and you make reference to it. You guys make reference to it in your report, antitrust. Um and that is the thing that has some people uh on heightened alert now. But as you said, some of the some of the, the NFL owner meetings are focused on, you know, whether or not they do hard knocks. Um you you make reference to it in your story. What did you discover in your conversations? Um, regarding the NFL's uh, cognizance regarding antitrust?
0: Well, when it comes, I, I think the, the aspect of that that you referenced was the PSLs. You know, the, the, the teams can't price fix. Like, you know, so that's, yes, the Rams want the Chargers to try their best to accomplish this $400 million in seat license projections that the league had for them. But
1: they can't force them to price it at what they want them to
0: yeah they can't force them to do it and so you know what you have is this weird situation again where the rams are charging up to 15 times more it's amazing for the same seats for the right to buy season tickets for the same seats that the chargers are you know it's just bizarre and remember look say what you want about stadium seat licenses it's a it's a specific thing to the nfl you know and and so because of that this is totally new in LA nobody in LA has ever had to pay thousands of dollars for the right to be a, to buy season tickets to watch LeBron James at Staples Center right. it simply never happened so here come these two NFL teams that you know have yet to capture the imagination of the region and they're saying yeah you know to to have season tickets in this you know transformative new stadium, you have to subscribe to this program that all NFL teams use about seat licenses. And, you know, it's been harder than anyone thought to, you know, get fans on board with that. You know, the Rams have made some inroads, but again, it's been harder than people thought. And, you know, like I said, the legend study with the chargers was the worst feasibility study that a lot of them had ever seen.
1: Right. So as this thing plays out and you talk about the possibility that you might be revisiting this here in a year, as you guys have, have written two incredible stories on it uh and like I said the, the research if, if one hasn't read this I, I can't recommend it enough um as you guys I'm sure is, is your research this you talk with people you and Don get together what what is kind of your forecast here because this thing is going to open up we're going to see whether or not people you know drive to Inglewood to to see this stadium and then not that it once the novelty war wears off actually keep coming back in 2023 and 2024. What do you think is going to happen with with these franchises? And I'm not talking about relocation. I'm not even asking for your opinion on the the lawsuit. But assessing what you've seen from your conversations and also the climate of the sports fan in L.A., will it wind up working?
0: I don't know. You know, that to me is going to be the most fascinating thing. I think that obviously, like, you know, the novelty of the stadium will get people out there. For the Rams, I imagine that you're going to see quite a few Rams fans. For the Chargers, I just don't know. And, you know if the Chargers have two wins next year at this time, is it possible that we're going to see a lot of empty seats in a brand new stadium Mm -hmm. and of the seats, are they rooting for the opponent? And, you know, that is a horrific optical premonition for those two teams and for the NFL, especially when you have, you know, again, no one in St. Louis is going to feel sorry for him, but you know, you have Stan Kroenke, who's, had to deal with massive overruns and, you know, trying to change sports in, in the LA region has been more complicated and extensive than, you know, he could have imagined. And so I don't have a great forecast. I want to see how it's going to play out and, you know, we'll see, maybe there's another story to be done, but, you know, again, I just find the entire experiment fascinating.
1: And, 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 and that's what I want to wrap up with you on, on Seth, here. In St. Louis, anytime any, if, if if somebody is hungry for likes or re- retweets, just say Stan Kroenke and add some snarky comment, and you're going to get hundred likes. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's instant offense. Um, but but is it is it limited to St. Louis? Do people around the country go, okay, stop whining. Cleveland lost the Browns. Baltimore lost the Colts. You know, L. A. lost the Rams first. Um, you know, those kinds of comments. And L.A., and if anything, I think around the country, people are like, oh, well, well, wrong has been righted. The L.A. Rams returned home, and everything's fine. St. Louis, you had two NFL teams. You lost them both. Too bad. Occasionally, we'd see the Rams on TV, and nobody would be there. I think the anger in St. Louis stems from This game was fixed. It was presented as it was because St. Louis wasn't a good football market. Stan Kroenke stomped on the market as he walked out the door. And St. Louis is hungry for blood. But around the country, I don't know if anybody really cares, which is why I loved your story, not because it necessarily supported uh, what my experience with this has been, but because it presented the facts and how chaotic this situation is. So now that it's been out for a couple of weeks— Are you finding that people around the country are going, hold on a second, what in the hell's going on out there with this situation? Not just with the fact that the Chargers are playing 16 road games. The Rams are oftentimes playing a road game themselves. Stan Kroenke's thing has gone over budget by nearly three times from where it originally was. Chargers can't sell any tickets in the new thing, and they've lowered the prices. Uh, And and then now now the NFL might have to participate in a lawsuit in St. Louis. This thing is an absolute mess. Or is it kind of like, yeah, whatever. I'm more interested in the fact that the Rams are having a struggle for the playoffs and the chargers are kind of a mess themselves. What are you seeing as as far as response to what I thought was like a 60 minutes caliber journalistic piece?
0: Yeah. Thank you. No, I mean, it's look, it was a very well-read story. And, you know, I think that fans do care about these sort of business aspects of it. And, you know, in respect to Cronky, you know, I don't – I've met Stan. You know, his son Josh, you know, was at Mizzou when I was there. And, you know, I didn't know him, but, you know, I've met him a couple times since then. He's been nothing but a gentleman, and he had a great, you know, reputation at Mizzou. I think that, you know, what hurt was that, you know, Cronky, you know, obviously he came from Missouri, and he fashioned himself as one of the fans. And then to see the way that, you know – They went after that region when they left was really, really hard for a lot of people. And, you know, I was covering the NFL both in college and, you know, in in the early part of my professional career, you know, when the Rams were hot and, you know, Mm -hmm. during that, you know, 99 season and, you know, the subsequent years. And I mean, you know, when the Rams were good, that stadium was loud and it was one of the hardest places in the league to play. And there's just no market that is going to come out and support a team that was as bad as the Rams were in the subsequent years, you know, after, you know, Mike March was gone and, you know, that entire team had faded away and the Jeff Fisher era, there's just no team that, um, you know, there's just no market that's going to come out and support that kind of mediocrity. And I think that like, you know, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, but I think that like a lot of people in the St. Louis region and and in the state of Missouri felt like that, you know, they were given a really bad rap when the team that that Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff were putting on the field was horrific and Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's just, it wasn't exclusive to St. Louis that they didn't want to come out and cheer for a team that, that was so mediocre.
1: Seth, I, uh, I I really appreciate your time to be able to talk about a story that so many people have read and when it came out were enamored by. Um, just really a major tip of the cap to you and Don for the work you did on this. I can't imagine the amount of time that goes into putting into it and to, even to get people to talk, uh, much less all of the research, and then finally putting it together. So uh, outstanding work you've done, unlike me. You have done the University of Missouri Journalism School proud and uh, and I'm uh, I'm grateful for your time.
0: My pleasure. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciated it.
1: So there it is. Seth Wickersham here on the Tim McKernan Show. He is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Gangster Pete, I call you in. What up? Homeloanexpert.com studios where you've been sitting, but I act like I'm calling you in. Um, as I was talking with Seth, I noticed you were shaking your head multiple times.
0: Uh, all the cronky stuff really gets to me. That was like a big family ordeal. Every Sunday we'd go to the game. So just the way he treated the city on the way out. just It's the one thing in the whole thing I don't understand. Yeah. It, the rest it, of it I understand. It just kills me. And then I remember the Cardinals leaving too, so it's happened twice now. So,
1: well, how do you remember the Cardinals? Because you're a couple of years younger than me and I barely remember.
0: I just remember my dad was driving to school. He would always have Camo X on the radio. And it said that the Cardinals were leaving. And he would take me to a few games every year. And I was like, "Well, isn't there anything you can do about it?" And he just kind of laughed at me. And I was like, "The first time I ever realized that my dad wasn't Superman." So <laughs> like, when it's a Phil very it's a moment I'll never forget.
1: <laughs> All right, no, that makes sense. Um, I think what, like I said, at this point, I would ama- I would hope everybody's read the story. If you haven't, then I understand. I mean, it's a it's a long um, piece, but it's major recommendation. I just it's outstanding journalism. Um, the detail that he has is incredible and um i don't i don't i don't know at this point how the thing gets tossed i guess it could get settled but i just am starting to wonder if it's actually going to go through that stan Cronkey and kevin demoff and jerry jones and roger goodell are deposed and if they are this antitrust element is important now i realize if, for those of you who have read it When Seth and and, um, Don are talking about antitrust, as Seth said, they were talking about potential price-fixing and forcing the Chargers to keep prices at a certain point. They can't do that for antitrust purposes. Well, the antitrust element with the the St. Louis suit that the NFL is concerned about is relocation guidelines, and you can't just willy-nilly pick and choose where you're going to move franchises. That's not the way that this works, although it certainly appears that's the way that this worked. So how they will or will attempt to get away from this. I don't know if eventually they're just going to have to cut this monster check to St. Louis. I really don't know because candidly, I'm surprised, and I think others who are in the legal profession are surprised that it has gone this far, not because it's, not, because it's without merit, I want to emphasize that, but because usually it's kind of set up for businesses like this to, you know, eventually maybe pay some kind of a settlement. That's a huge amount of money to a community. But to them, it's kind of like, eh, it's all a huge amount of money, but we're making more because we did it. And that's fine. And with this, they just keep losing every appeal. And they have this huge law firm. They have their go-to attorney. And it's turning into this case that they just can't shake. And as Seth said, they get together at these owners meetings and they spend more time talking about whether or not they should do hard knocks than the lawsuit in St. Louis. And that's starting to concern some owners. We're going, hey, I've got to turn over my phone records and my text records and my my call records and my emails. And I'm not really interested in doing that. And that's because of this damn lawsuit. Get it taken care of. Well, we're trying to. We can't. What do you mean you can't? And then they go, oh, God, I remember that meeting in Houston when Jerry Jones stood up and forced the legislation through. Is this actually going to get talked about? I mean, listen, I, I, I think it's as simple as this. That doesn't mean that it's that it's legal. I think it's as simple as this. There are a handful of guys who could build a stadium privately in Los Angeles. Stan Kroenke was one of the handful. Dean Spanos was not one. Mark Davis was not one. Again, you heard Seth make reference to the different levels of wealth. In the NFL, Stan Kroenke is at the top of the pyramid, Davis and Spanos at the bottom of the pyramid. They couldn't do it on their own. Carson, I don't believe was ever real. I've told the story before, but many of you might be listening to me talk about this for the first time. I went out to Carson. I show up at Carson to get a tour by the Carson mayor of the stadium site. I had met with the Carson mayor minutes beforehand in his office. And I show up there, there's security because it's a landfill And the security guy goes, he goes, uh, yeah, what are you here for? And I said, Oh, we're here to see the stadium site. We're going to get a tour of the stadium "Stadium site. He goes, it's a landfill. And you know, a couple hours later, I drive down to San Diego. I'm meeting with mayor Kevin Falconer, who is still the mayor of San Diego. We're getting him mic'd up. I'm in his office. And uh, he had just met with the NFL because the NFL had their, those famous town halls. That town hall was coming up later that evening. It was a busy day. And, uh, And he's getting mic'd up and he goes, so how are things up in LA? I said, well, I just met with the Carson mayor and got a tour of the Carson site and I kind of get the sense that Carson's a bluff and he just kind of to himself, but kind of to me goes, yeah, trust your instincts on that one. And so here we are now we have the cards turned over a few years removed from it. And I go, Carson was never real. Carson was never real. It was always going to be the compromise the grand bargain, Spanos, Crocky, Mark Davis is the ship that floats along at P.F. Chang's and, you know, outside of Oakland. And he, he winds up, he might wind up with the best situation of everybody, by the way, in Las Vegas, as far as expense goes, and uh, a rabid fan base that, they'll, that Raider Nation will follow them anywhere. And by the way, I'm watching the Raiders play in Oakland right now, and it doesn't, you wouldn't even know that they're leaving in a month. <laughs> and like, I don't know what, that's a, a different brand. But the premise being this, The situation in Los Angeles is brutal in and of itself. And if you want to go, that's Roman numeral number one in our outline, then you go letter A is the Rams, the Coliseum situation. It's not like the Rams who were just in the Super Bowl have a bunch of people showing up for them. They have empty seats or they have other teams fans outnumbering them there. And they have moved all in, if we're going to actually get into football about it, they've moved all in to try to win now. And it isn't working. The Jared Goff situation looks brutal. They moved all in to get Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars. The league is caught up with Sean McVay's boy genius offense. And so if you forecast football from a year or two from now, it doesn't look real promising for their product. And I think they moved all in to try to make sure that they owned the market, the quote-unquote fight for L.A. that the Chargers used as their slogan. The Rams wanted to win it, and now they might be exposed. I don't even know if there's a way for them to get into the playoffs at this point. It's mathematically going to be awfully difficult. Then you have the Chargers whatever that is, I, well, I, I would say a half hour South. I guess if these were St. Louis roads, it would be a half hour South. Um, but God only knows might be two hours South, even though it's like 15 miles away, whatever it is to Carson from, from uh, LA and they're playing in a soccer stadium. that doesn't even hold 30,000 people. And they're, they're outnumbered. They played the Steelers there this year and they played the Steelers fight song. Now they did it as a joke, but the crowd was so Steelers heavy that they started singing along with it. And they were so loud that they didn't even catch when the joke came on. That's the situation they have. And the Chargers have had to lower their SSL, formerly known as PSL, costs. And the Rams can't do anything about it. And Dean Spano still gets 15% of all of the revenue for the sponsorships and for their non-football related events. So he's sitting pretty. It might look terrible for him, but financially he's sitting pretty. And he doesn't have the kind of money that Crocky does, so the ego play is, an inf- is big for him because his family actually, and again, relatively speaking, needs the money. He is asset wealthy, not cash wealthy. Again, relative to probably everybody listening and talking in this podcast, he is the wealthiest person. But with regard to the other 31 owners in the NFL, he is on the low end of it. So he cut himself a great deal. St. Louis did whatever it had to do, including giving a terrible clause on that top-tier clause to get the Rams to St. Louis because they had already built a building, and they couldn't get the quote-unquote Jaguars or Panthers here. And so they had to take it, and they took it, and they gave a terrible deal with that top-tier clause. Kroenke had to do whatever he had to do, so they all signed that indemnification. And he is now in a spot where Dean Spanos doesn't have to sell a dollar of those SSLs and Kroenke still has to fund the building of that stadium on his own. And the stadium is now three plus billion dollars more than it was initially projected. It's a disaster, disaster. And oh, yes, I haven't even gotten into the lawsuit in St. Louis. And that thing, as I said, is a ticking time bomb it might wind up being nothing i don't know how that happens and by that mean and by nothing by the way i mean them stroking a huge check that's the nothing that's the worst case scenario on this Because even if St. Louis doesn't get a dollar, that means it went to trial and St. Louis lost. But if it goes to trial, that means for many of you, you got what you wanted, which was seeing Stan Kroenke's deposition, seeing Kevin Demoff's deposition, seeing Jerry Jones's deposition, seeing Roger Goodell's deposition. And they're turning on each other. They know they got a problem on their hands. Why? Because the antitrust thing is the biggest thing of them all. But that's the thing that's kind of like, flying under the radar on this because that's when you get it kind of getting a big boy big boy problems big big boy problems that go beyond it doesn't matter how much money you have this is something else and so you know for the last few years i've hashtagged things 30 for 30 on twitter and certainly i think there's a 30 for 30 here to be made but in order for the 30 for 30 to be made you have to have stan crocky them off Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell talking. Well, I'm quite confident if I were to produce this, and by the way, there's nothing in the works, but if I were to produce this and I sent an email to Demoff's people or Scrocky's people or uh, Goodell's people or Jones' people and said, hey, I'd like to sit down with Jerry to talk about the relocation vote, I don't think I'd get a response. And if I did, I don't think it'd be in the affirmative. But if you have depositions, you don't need the interviews. And now you might actually get that. And candidly, not just me, but people who are much more well-connected to this process, I'm not sure anybody ever really thought that it would get to this point. But here we are. And so this thing, which is why I finished off with this question to Seth, which all of us in the St. Louis region have been well aware of. And I think even some people inside of St. Louis were like, Stop whining. They moved. Who cares? Move on. You sound like a jealous, unhappy girlfriend or boyfriend whose girlfriend or boyfriend left them. Move on. Our people in Kansas City would go, God, why are you guys still whining about this? Our people around the country. The Browns moved from Cleveland. The Colts moved from Baltimore. Hell, the Rams you had moved from L.A., and they originally moved from Cleveland. The football Cardinals they had moved from Chicago. It's just part of the deal. Well, this is different. This is different. And it's not different because it's my hometown. Because honestly, when it gets down to it, St. Louis has blood on its hands on this thing. But because the league and Kroenke and in particular Demoff were so brazen with how they went about this, They actually might have to pay for it. The chickens might actually come home to roost. And the NFL might be in a really bad spot because of it. And again, you could just focus on the situation with the Chargers and the Rams in L.A. and say the NFL's in a bad spot. But the big bad spot is not the one that most people when they tune into a game on Sunday afternoon see, which is, you know, a bunch of Buccaneers fans in L.A. or empty seats in L.A., or a bunch of Steelers fans in Carson when the Chargers are playing a quote-unquote home game. It's the litigation. And that's the thing that could be brutal, brutal. It'd make the situation in the Coliseum and Carson look like nothing. And why Seth's piece enthused me so much is because I'm like, here we go. Now this is going to be brought to the rest of the country. The rest of North America, the rest of the world, this is what happened. This is what's going on. They forced the legislation through because Stan was one of the handful of people who had the money to do it. And he was the only franchise that quote unquote could do it. And so they did whatever they had to do in order to get their guy in Los Angeles. And along the way, they lit fire to St. Louis on the way out the door and then they forced it through with an anonymous vote behind closed doors after the L.A. committee had voted five to one for the Carson Project, which, by the way, I still have no idea what that is about. I still don't know what that's about. I, I At some point, someone will explain it to me. I don't know who. I don't even know. I don't even know if there is an explanation for it, because maybe the six people on that committee weren't in on what was going on, what was going to happen, which was Jerry Jones was going to stand up and say, we're voting for Inglewood. Stan's the only one who can do it, and that's the way that it is. But then that would take away the, the belief that Carson was a bluff the whole time. And maybe it was a bluff the whole time, and the L.A. committee didn't know it. That part, that's the one part I can't explain with a theory. As far as a theory for the St. Louis situation, along all my conversations, I wonder about this. And this is strictly my own thing. Do with it what you want. I wonder if St. Louis knew no matter what St. Louis did, that St. Louis wasn't going to keep the Rams. And so once that became clear, St. Louis, Jay Nixon, Dave Peacock, Bob Blitz, everybody involved with it goes, all right, well, let's put together a plan. We know they're not going to take it, but let's put together a plan and now we'll challenge them. And if they take it, if they they go, oh my God, now we got to take it, then great. But if not, now we have a case Because I would have conversations and people go, yeah, there's no way they're staying. And now back in my mind, or really my heart, I'd go, I hope they do. But everything was to the contrary. I wonder about that. Because this thing was determined well before. That is my opinion. This thing was determined well before. And as it continues to play out and you hear little anecdotes about What people who worked for the Rams were doing and or saying well before the vote, you go, what in the world? So before they voted, they knew they were moving. So then what was going on with the task force? And then what was going on with the town halls? Oh, it was all just a a show. Eric Grubman sat up there and I was at the ones in Oakland and San Diego. Most of you listening are familiar with the one in St. Louis. And in each market, he said, we don't want any of these teams to move. Well, here we are, four years removed from the task force, an attempt to keep them in St. Louis and those town halls in Oakland, San Diego and St. Louis, and every one of the teams have or will be moving. And quite candidly, I think if you put a gun to Eric Grubman's head that night when he was standing up there and saying that, do you think these teams are going to be in these cities over the next five years? He would have told you, no, I don't. Can I go now? But it was all part of the show. Why? Because that was part of the guidelines. They were attempting to follow that part of the guideline, that they had to have a town hall. I always remember reading that before they had the town halls. I'm like, what the town hall is going to be a show. And then you saw it, and then they have this guy. Like it's so like if he were running for office he would do it for like a week before they'd go okay I tried it didn't work and people just didn't believe me I mean it was that that was that that transparent he comes on our show and he's like well just because St Louis builds a stadium it doesn't necessarily mean San has to take it he has to like it you're going what and he goes on Bernie Miklas's show and you're going oh my God this is a, this is a moving target there's not really even a target it's a shadow. So what is happening here and what will happen here, from my standpoint, it has always been, before any of this stuff even happened, it has always been the most important story we have covered while we have done this uh, radio show that goes back to 2004. It will most likely be one of the things I am most proud of regarding our radio show and our coverage of it whenever our show comes to an end. Because we were on it. We were on it. But now, that which we may have thought was buried is still alive. And I'm not talking about the Rams in St. Louis, but I'm talking about the Rams against St. Louis. And so Seth Wickersham, writing what he wrote, along with Dan, Don Van Nutta on ESPN.com, brings this story to people beyond St. Louis. And again, the the vast majority of the story is about the situation in LA, but it does get into the litigation in St. Louis and how it is just not going away. You remember that line Joe Buck has as the Cardinals tie it in the 10th inning of game six, one of the great moments in St. Louis sports, Well, we might have another, and we can use the same thing. They just won't go away. I assure you they are saying that with regard to this lawsuit. How is this thing not going away? And does it just get to a point where they go, oh my God, we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to peel off more than the relocation fee in order to get this thing to go away. Oh my God. I mean, I really, honestly, if you would ask me that, I'd be like, okay, okay, St. Louis is going to wind up with like $100 million. And that's wonderful. Certainly going to be put to good use. God bless the attorneys. That'll be fun for them. And God bless what's left over for St. Louis. And now as it keeps going, I'm going, okay, maybe they're not going to settle. And maybe they're going, we might actually get to depose these guys. I mean, they've already gotten their phone records and their emails for all the owners. It's something else. It It is the story. And this is in a year in which the Blues won the Cup. This is a year in which the Cardinals went to the NLCS. It's a year in which Missouri fired its head football coach. From my standpoint, it is the story. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing better than the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. It's one of the highlights of my life as far as a sports fan goes. But i as far as sports business goes, this is the story. This is the story, actually, uh, and it goes beyond St. Louis. So Seth's piece, really well done tip of the cap to him and Don for what they did and uh, grateful for him uh, and his time here on the program. As always, thank you to Gangster Pete and Iggy for their work. Thank you to you for listening. And thank you to the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly. Thank you to James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Landoff.com. Chevy Fine New Roads and Design Air Heating and Cooling online at DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.
0: Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.
1: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on demand
0: classes, from running to cycling to yoga.